Welcome to the Free Parking Show with your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter. Four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show, back here on Monday after the weekend break. Uh, I'm Ryan Moreland, co-hosting with me tonight is uh, Peter and Rich. Uh, Amos not going to be here tonight, he's a little bit under the weather right now, but we'll hopefully have him back tomorrow night. If you want to text into the show, uh, we'd love to hear from you at 252-621-2065, or if you have the Spreaker at app uh, on your phone, you can send us uh, right through the chat here, we'll be able to read out your opinions uh, live on the air, um, love to hear for you for sure, I'm going to let Peter take it over here as he's running the show tonight, Peter, what do you got for us? Well, <clears throat> I'm sure as you guys have, uh, have heard, and especially big NFL fans, Joseph Randall has been arrested for, the, I believe it's now the seventh time in... I'm oh, sorry, six times in 17 months, and then he didn't he didn't appear in court. <clears throat> and now uh, there's a report on uh, Sports Day, Sports Day, that's uh, DallasNews.com, and a uh, article by uh, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the author here, and I, I apologize. But what the what the article is saying is that um, he's now he's going, and now he could be on his way to an inpatient mental health facility, according to a TMZ sports report. I don't know what goes on in the mind of some of these players, and now I'm just assuming that Joe Serrano does have something wrong with him mentally because to be arrested that many times in that many months is just ridiculous. Whether you're a pro athlete or just a regular person like our, you know, just a normal everyday person like ourselves who aren't, who aren't athletes. And it's, you know, I, I wish that he gets the help, but at some point I, I kind of don't feel bad for people that constantly get arrested, and he's the reason why. And players like him are what makes the NFL look bad, aside from the uh, ridiculously pathetic, uh, lame excuse of a commissioner that is Roger Goodell, but that's a story for another time. But Randall, I, I just don't know what goes on with Joseph Randall in his mind, what he thinks, why he does have the things he does. And it's just, I think he had the talent to be a, a good back in, in the league, not, not a every game starter, a guy that you could rely upon to get stuff done, but... He's definitely done in the NFL, and it's hard to feel for him. This guy is just a complete knucklehead, and he needs all the help he can get. And if the, if the mental facility doesn't work for him, assuming he actually goes, then I I fear for this guy's life because he clearly does not have any regard for the law or for himself. I agree with you absolutely here, Peter. Uh, obviously, something's up with this guy. You know, there's a lot of alcohol-related arrests uh, in those six arrests, so I wonder if he has a, like an alcohol problem, um, and there has to be some kind of mental issue going on with him where he just, you know, he thinks that he's above the law. He thinks that he's not going to get in trouble, uh, not responsible for his actions. It's it's unbelievable. You know, now at this point, um, you know, all the arrests and stuff of this offseason, he blew his chance in the NFL uh, unless he does something great in another league. And But now I think he's blown his chance in Canada as well. Like I, He's going to end up playing like semi-professional football in some league that you've never heard of because... Uh, you know, no one's gonna want to touch Joseph Randall. He's too much of a risk. It, it's six arrests over the last 17 months. What is it like three and uh, like six weeks? It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, what kind of trouble this kid's got himself into? He just keeps digging that hole deeper and deeper. 
Um, it's 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 completely unbelievable. I don't think we've ever seen a guy that just just keeps doing this to himself. I don't know about that one. I think Johnny Manziel's up there, you know, with his drinking uh, issues he's got going on. I, I'm going to leave it at this, and I'm gonna I'm not going to try and put Johnny Manziel and Joe Frandel in the same sentence because they're both two totally different players or two totally different people, mind you. But when you're talking about issues like this, to me, it's always you've got to look out for the person before you look out for the player. Hopefully he gets the help he needs, you know, but I, I agree with both of you. I think he's die. He may be done playing football together until he can get his life straightened out. I will say this. Yeah, that, I agree with Ryan. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, no, I will say you, th- this, that Johnny, like Johnny Manziel and, and him, Johnny Manziel's gotten himself into one legal issue now with this. He, I mean, he, and he still has his chance in the NFL. Like Joseph Randall has dug himself into a hole that I don't know if he'll be able to get out of for quite some time. Yeah, and like you said, I, if he does play in another league, who knows what league it'll be in because – I don't think it's going to be the Canadian Football League because who knows if anyone's going to want him because he's such a head case. And then, like you said, he might have to play Timmy professional football. I think if we see him in the NFL again, it'll probably be another year or two before, you know, we see him in, in the NFL. But, you know, because of guys like Johnny Manziel and uh, people getting into trouble with alcohol, I think we're, we're going to start seeing a ton of players like this not getting any more chances because – when you see, it's like, it's like when you see, uh, for example, like let's say I worked at a job where people were getting fired all the time for showing up drunk, or like let's say I worked, in, let's say I worked in a bar and, and bartenders were getting drunk and getting fired for that, then I do it. I'm doing something that I know would get me fired or get me in trouble. I deserve to lose my job, and that's why I don't feel bad for guys like Joseph Randall. So you know, it is what it is, and. uh I, but I think he's done in the NFL, and like I said, if we see him again, it won't be for another year or two. Uh, but on to some wider news, uh, I'm sure, as we all know now, um, if you don't know by now, uh, Peyton Manning retired today. He called it a career after uh, 18, 18 seasons in the NFL. He played in 17 of them, 2011. He didn't play at all because of four neck surgeries. Uh, so 2010 was the last. Uh, it was the last season he played in Indianapolis, and then he finished out his career in in Denver. Uh, he the, the press conference, and I watched bits and pieces of it throughout the day on my phone when I could. Very emotional. He uh, he thanked God. He thanked his teammates. He thanked a lot of people. He made some jokes. And probably the, my my favorite joke was probably uh, about the New England fans because New England got a, a lot of wins against him. So that was pretty funny. Uh, he seemed very humble. And uh, it's going to be weird not seeing him play in the NFL anymore. It's you know it's we lost you know, Derek Jeter just retired not long ago. Uh, Peyton Manning is leaving. Uh, Peyton Manning is I mean, sorry Kobe Bryant is is leaving at the end of this basketball season. So we're seeing a lot of players that are considered the best or some of the best in their profession retiring. Uh, but as for Peyton Manning, you know like I said, it's strange to see him go. Uh, and he went on on top, and I and we kind of talked about it on the show whether maybe he would retire or not. There was reports that he was, and then there was a report that he wanted to keep playing. But I'm sure that in talks with his wife, his I'm sure his father had a larger role in him retiring too, because his father is very involved in him and Eli's careers. I'm I'm assuming uh, still to this day. So 
it, it's weird to see him go. He's one of the all-time greats. There's, there's a list of every major record he owns, and it's, it's insane. You know, most touchdowns, most passing yards, uh, most touchdowns in the season, most passing yards in the season, most wins with playoffs, 200 wins. Uh, he has 93 games of throwing for over 300 yards, which is an incredible. Uh, he has the record tied for most touchdowns in a game. Uh, perfect passer rating, or most games with a passer rating higher than 105 is 97. And he's had five games with a perfect passer rating. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's just incredible. And hats off to a guy like him. And it's, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what's next for him, but I'm sure it'll be something in the booth or doing some more advertising on TV. Absolutely. What a what a great guy and an absolutely fantastic player. I mean, he might be the highest. I mean, he has to be the highest football IQ out of any player I've ever seen play football. Um, as anybody who listens know, uh, I'm a big-time Titans fan. I've always been a Titans fan. Uh, so I got to watch Peyton Manning beat up on us year in and year out for quite some time when he was a Colt. Um, but he is just a guy that's it's hard not to like Peyton Manning. Uh, he's a class act. Uh, he obviously shows a strong love for the game. Um, and, and an unbelievable career. What he's been able to do uh, with his talent. And, uh, you know, it's it's sad to see him go. And, and you brought up uh, some names, you know, like Derek Jeter, Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, Amy Wambach from the women's national team, uh, soccer team. You know, she called it quits. Uh, we're seeing a lot. Uh, Ortiz, Big Poppy's calling it quits after this season. It seems like the end of an era, you know, is going on in sports where we're turning over, uh, you know, a new leaf. And, and I know that uh, Rich is a little bit older than us, but I know, Peter, you're you're around my age. This is the first like group of guys that we really watched the start all the way through their career uh, on these long careers and see them retire. Man, it's, it, does, it feels sad. You're never going to see this guy play uh, football again. When you think of that, I mean, it, it is sad. And I saw the, the press conference today. It was touching. Uh, he made, he didn't try to lighten it up, made some few jokes, but man, he, I mean, he, he, I mean, it made me emotional and I'm not a Colts fan. I'm not a Broncos fan, um, but I'm a Peyton Manning fan. And what he's able to do is, is absolutely unreal. And it's, it's sad to see a great one uh, go, you know, and it's, uh, it, you know, you're never going to get those Tom Brady Manning games again. You're never going to get any of that. So it's sad to see him go. Absolutely stellar career. I mean, Peter, you list, listed off uh, all the records he has. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, what goes down is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the greatest players of all time. Absolutely. Big hats off to Peyton Manning on an uh, absolutely excellent career. Yeah, he, he rode off into the sunset for real. But, you know, you guys, both of you guys touched on the, the key points of his stats. Or the stats, you know, and I always said he's one of the top five quarterbacks of, of all time, not just of our generation, but of all time. The records are there. He's got the two Super Bowl wins, uh, the postseason record. And that's why I don't put him as the greatest of all time, because that postseason record is just not as great as it once was. I've always had respect for Peyton been a fan of Peyton, you know, the, the Manning-Brady rivalry. You, every year, that's one game you look forward to. So it's going to be interesting not to watch these two play on the same on the field at the same time, like, ever again. So it's going to be an adjustment period for Patriots fans, Colts fans, Broncos fans uh, next season. But let, let's just uh, touch on the, 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 I'm sorry, the real issue at hand here. 
realistically, it was time for him to go. We all saw it coming. He had statistically one of the worst seasons of his career. He battled with a plantar fasciitis uh, the year before that. He started the the, the decline when he threw the four picks uh, in 2014 uh, in Cincinnati. Cost him the first round by the, the top seed in the playoffs. So the decline was there. John Elway, hats off to John Elway, getting him that last ring and letting him retire. But like I said, Peyton, you're, you're an all-time great, brother. Don't ever uh, let anybody tell you anything differently. Isn't it kind of amazing that there's only one Pro Bowl quarterback to end his career with a Super Bowl win, and it was John Elway, and then he orchestrates this team and puts it together so we can see another all-time great uh end his career with a Super Bowl win when and Peyton Manning becomes the second. Uh, of course, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he'll be the second Hall of Famer quarterback to end his career on a uh, on a Super Bowl win. I mean, it's kind of amazing that John Elway did it as a player and as a general manager. Oh, yeah, but uh, before yeah, you go back to Peter, right quick, the other name that was not mentioned oh, is Charles Woodson's retiring this year as well as Logan Mankins. Yeah, Charles Woodson, man. That's when he retired. That was that was really tough because number one, I'm a Michigan fan, so of course I like him. But he was one of the classiest guys. He seemed like he was just a nice down earth kind of dude. I remember watching the end of the game where uh, Oakland's last game in in Oakland, where he was talking in the crowd and he was on the NFL Network set, and you could he was you know it was it was really cool to see all the, uh, the all of the great things of Marshall Falk. Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, giving him all that love because they know how much he meant to the game. And, you know, Ryan said it perfectly. We're seeing a large group of guys retire. You know, we've got Manning and Kobe and Charles Woodson all this year. Then we had Derek Jeter not, not feeling the old but this is, this is his last season. Uh, so it was kind of – it was it was funny because, um, you know, I was talking to one of my friends at work about this. You're going to see a large generational gap in in Brady's retiring because once Brady goes, then after him you got Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Those those three were all drafted in. Well, Eli and, um, and Big Ben were drafted the year after, or the year before. I'm sorry, it was the year before I believe um, that Aaron Rodgers was drafted. So you're going to see those guys retire. Those great quarterbacks. And there's you know you got Larry Fitzgerald that's going to probably retire. Who knows how many years down the road? And then after that you've got guys. We'll be watching Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. Guys like that growing up the rest of their lives, you know, growing up in the NFL, and we're going to watch them for a while, and then we can say, and that'll be this like the second group of guys in the NFL that we'll see retire. So it's it's uh, it's been fun um, watching these guys play, and it's just it's a privilege to watch them play, and it's been fun, and definitely something when my kids ask me about it, you know, when I whenever that day is, if, and they ask me about what it was like watch, growing up watching these guys, I'll tell them it was a lot of fun. You know, it's. It's it's weird to see these guys retire, but all good things come to an end. And Ryan, like you said, I mean John Elway put together a team that to help Peyton Manning win that final Super Bowl, and he it was his mission to get him a Super Bowl before we left because they got shellacked two years prior to that by Seattle. And you know Peyton Manning's a one tough one tough competitor, and I, I don't think that he wanted to go out losing another Super Bowl for sure. No, absolutely. And you guys brought up uh, Charles Woodson. This is another guy. Unbelievable career. Uh, you know, we saw him play at a position that demands 
uh, a high level of, you know, of um, damage to your body. Just, you know, you have to go in there and tackle. And Woodson came in to the league back when you were allowed to lead with your head. And you can go back and watch a tape. Woodson did a lot of that. Uh, very hard hitter, very great uh, in the coverage, an amazing safety. A guy that uh, a lot of people look up to, you know. Absolutely stellar what he did in his career. And another, uh, in my opinion, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question. I think him and Manning should go in easily. You know, Jared Allen retired this year, too. I think that, uh, I don't think he's the first ballot guy, but I think he eventually will get into the Hall of Fame, deserves it. We are getting to that point, man, where it's, it's starting to, you know, starting to see a lot of these guys retire. And it does, it feels like the end of an era. And, and a lot of these, you know, seeing, as we said, you know, Big Poppy and Jeter and Manning and, and Woodson, you know, a lot of big names are losing uh, in the sports world. Uh, but I'm just glad that I got to see him, as you mentioned. You know, you'll tell your kids about it. I have a four-year-old son, and I remember, and I know that he'll never remember this, but that Monday night, or I mean this, the opener of 2014, Peyton Manning comes out, throws six touchdowns, has an unbelievable game. Uh, my little boy was with me, and I watched that game, and he's, you know, that young. He'll never remember it. But I remember sitting there. Seven. Yeah, seven. My sorry, seven touchdowns, and I remember like telling him, like you know, like wow, look at this, and showing him like the passes and stuff, and pulling it up on my computer so we can replay some of the plays, and you know, just gonna be able to tell him, you know, when he's older, he'll be looking at, at Cam Newton and all these guys that are coming up, and you know, Derek Carr, all these guys, and I'll be able to tell him back in the day when I got to watch Peyton Manning do his thing, when I got to watch Tom Brady do his thing. Um, and I, I'm glad that I was around to see Peyton Manning do his work because it was absolutely phenomenal to watch him work. Yeah, seven touchdowns. I remember Not watching all. that game. Just insane. I mean, how do you, throwing? And that was the year he threw 55 touchdowns. He, when he threw seven in that game, I called my buddy who was a Ravens fan up, and I said, "Dude, you watch it. This guy's going to shatter a lot of records this year." And he he crushed so many records. No, nah, I'm I, I'm just listening. I, I agree with both of you guys. I thought that was a phenomenal game. I don't think that record will ever be broken. Seven touchdowns in one game. That that was just insane. Yeah, yeah yep. and uh, we're going to keep it on the topic. Oh, sorry, Ryan, go ahead. I was just going to agree with Rich. I mean, it was absolutely amazing to watch. Uh, you know, just one of the great games that he had in his career. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Definitely, uh, it's sad to see a guy like that go, but you're just glad that you got to watch him when he was out there. Yeah, that was so. Uh, we're going to stick on the topic of NFL news. Um, there's so Brock Osweiler. We're just, I want to stick on the topic of Denver Bronco quarterbacks has not been resigned by the uh, by the Denver Broncos. Uh, well, technically, the new league year starts Wednesday, so we'll see what happens then. But this is kind of an interesting situation because if he doesn't come back to Denver, I don't know who the quarterback will be. So, uh, you know, Ryan, I, I just want to ask you, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think Brock Boswell uh, re-signs? Because I, I know that he wants to be part of this team, but do you think that Denver can afford to pay him what maybe he thinks he might be worth, or do you think he's going to go somewhere else? This is interesting, Peter. Um because of a couple of reasons here, which is you don't want to overpay a guy like Osweiler. Uh, he did play good 
when he came in. Uh, but we've only seen a very small sample size of action, and it wasn't anything to write home about. You know, he played well, he got wins, um, but he wasn't blowing anybody away with you know the 210 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception kind of games. You know, it's, it's not going to blow your hair back. Um, but uh, he is. It is hard to find quality quarterback. You know, it's it's the position that you must have. We've seen a lot of sorry excuses uh, for quarterbacks before. Um, so it's definitely something that's a must. This team has a really, really great defense. So that's something I think that's going to make you want to stay. Maybe, you know, pull them back because it'll be... I mean, you're almost guaranteed it's still a playoff team if they can keep that defense together. Uh, you have amazing weapons on that offense. I mean, don't forget... You know, we didn't get to see a lot of action because of, uh, you know, Peyton Manning's decline and Osweiler coming in. But Demarius Thomas is still, you know, top five wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is still a top five slant guy. Uh, I mean, a uh, slot guy. You're not going to find much wider, many wide receivers that are better than this duo. Um, so I think the quality of the team uh, is going to help sway, um, you know, Brock to stay over going to another team. But, of course, the money's got to be there. You don't want to overpay Osweiler, but at this point, I don't think you really want to lose him either. Uh, if a team comes in and, and starts getting competitive with the betting, it's gonna you puts Denver in a sticky spot because do you really want to uh, lose Osweiler and then go in the draft drafting 31st overall and try to get a guy? I mean, you're gonna end up with uh, you know Paxton Lynch if you're lucky, and might end up with you know Connor Cook coming in or. Uh, Hackenberg from Penn State. I mean, do you really want one of those guys leading your team? I mean, Osweiler's uh, kind of the guy that they put their, you know, it seems like they're go- they're one to go with. So I think you're going to end up seeing him get his payday. I've heard that they offered him uh, three years, $45 million, which should put him right at like the $15 million mark. As I heard is what the offer that Denver sent to him. Um and I've heard that he's trying to get up into the 17, 18 million range. I think that you're going to see Denver eventually move up uh, and end up paying him. Uh, maybe not in the 18 million, but 16, 17 probably. You just really you can't afford to lose this guy. This draft class is really weak at quarterback. You know, if it, if it was on the other hand, if we saw a draft class like we saw in 2004, uh, for instance, we saw who was it all? Manning, Rivers. Uh, Flacco's in there, uh, Roethlisberger, a really deep class. If it was like that, then, you know, let him dance and go get a quarterback of the future uh, if he tries to push the money game too hard. But this year, I mean, you got Wentz. In my opinion, you got Wentz and um, Goff who are maybe, uh, you know, maybe going to be good at the next level. And then the drop-off from there is tragic. Uh, you know, you got backups at best, I think, after that point. So you really can't afford to lose them. So I think you're going to see end up Denver end up paying them the money. The very interesting thing about this entire story is the Houston Texans are now, like, making a play to try and getting a bidding war for Brock Osweiler. This is going to be another typical let's go overpay a quarterback that we saw a small sample size of. Somebody's going to overpay him, and to me, I, you know, Houston wants him, and they want him pretty badly, and I, I think he's using Houston to leverage with Denver just to get Denver to balk and go up and pay a little bit. But really, like you said, Ryan, we saw him for six games, and he didn't put up stellar numbers or anything. And the, like you hit on it 
perfectly. This is not. This is a weak, not only a weak quarterback draft class, but it's a weak quarterback free agency class as well. I think you got Robert Griffin the uh, third, Colin Kaepernick. You got to roll with one of them two guys next year with the defense you got, and, and I can understand Brock Osweiler staying in Denver because you mentioned the defense. Houston's defense is, you know, they're, they're not as good, but, you know, they're, they've still got the defensive pieces in place that can carry a quarterback with uh, Osweiler's tools and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, Denver would be in a lot – they're going to put themselves in hot water for whatever reason. Brock Osweiler says, you know what? I'm going to go play in Houston. I'm not going to play in Denver because not only do you lose out on Peyton Manning, you also lost out on Brock Osweiler in free agency. <clears throat> yeah, it's well, they, it's almost like they don't have a choice because, you know, like you said, you're going to go with RG3. It's a possibility that they're going to have to sign him, and Colin Kaepernick wants out. I think that Denver would be a good team for Kaepernick to go to in RG3 because when you think about, uh, well, when you think about the team they have in place, you got a good defense, they got a run game, and Colin Kaepernick is the kind of guy who needs that. And I think RG3 would benefit from playing on a team like that to get his confidence back and to develop a quarterback. Now, I think Brock will probably stay in Denver because. I think I think he wants to stay there. He's been there. I know he's been there for four years. He stepped it up when he had to this past season. And if Denver has to go out and find another quarterback, they're going to have to learn the whole new system. Brock's been in the system for a year. He sat behind Manning for four years. So Osweiler has a grad, has a pretty good grasp of the game. I would assume. I liked what I saw from him last year. He got a good strong arm. He can run a little bit too. He's not. The quickest guy, but I've seen him, you know, scamper here and there, and I think it kind of adds another dimension to that uh, to that team. So, to me, I, I think they should keep him. Uh, now, if he is to walk, where do you guys think he could end up going? Uh, Rich brought up a very perfect. Uh, I think the one place that I think you might end up him seeing him is a Houston. Uh, I think the Houston's definitely interested, as as we've seen. Um, and they might be willing him to willing to pay him that kind of money to come in because they're not impressed with what you know they have in the draft. I think you're going to see Wentz and Goff off the board pretty early, uh, as from what it looks like right now. So they're not going to drop that, uh, back to the Texans. So then they're going to be in the same place that I said Denver's going to be. At. Do you want to take a chance on Lynch? Um, you know, do you want to just wait and try to get a quarterback in the second or third round that's going to lead your team? And, you know, the Texans have, haven't have had a solid starter at, at quarterback in quite some time now. Uh, we saw last year was, you know, they had Whedon for a little bit, they had Hoyer for a while, they, and I mean, it was just like a revolving door at, at quarterback for the Houston Texans. They want to find that stability, that guy, that's their go-to guy for, for seasons to come. So, you know, we could see them make a, a money move and just try to pull him out of Denver uh, by flashing cash at him. I think that's uh, a good place to end up. And right now, uh, uh, the Texans have the money to do that. They have the cap space uh, to be able to do that, to throw around that $18 million, $19 million, uh, kind of number. I would say that the Rams could also be in the running here because the Rams desperately need a quarterback. Uh, they have a good team. 
I'm not sure what they're setting out with their cap space. I'm not sure if they have the room to do it or not, uh, to be honest. But, um, I mean, we could end up seeing him go there. I think that they're going to try to maybe build through the draft. It seems like that's the direction they're going in. Or maybe try to get one of the guys. But it seems like Houston is a place because we've seen uh, them express interest in him. I'm I'm going to say Houston, but uh, you made up an interesting point about the Rams. They did get rid of a couple of players to shed some cap space. Uh, I know Jeff Fisher has said that Case Keenum is his guy as of right now. But see, in my opinion, are you going to try and go chase Brock Osweiler or are you going to roll the dice and try and go into the draft? Because if you think Brock Osweiler is probably the best remaining quarterback, not only in free agency and what's left in the draft pool, if I'm Cleveland, I'm calling Brock Osweiler. Lawyer's agent. If I'm St. Louis, I'm calling the agent. I'm if I'm looking for a quarterback, I'm definitely giving the you know at least putting you know say hey what what you know does he want to come here and play or you know what what is he interested in? You at least got to put the phone call in if you're looking for a quarterback because like like we see in the draft, guys can go one two look at RG three when number two right behind Andrew Luck, this guy's already looking for a new home. I mean the the draft is a crapshoot in my opinion. I think if you're a team looking for that quarterback to stabilize your franchise for the next four or five years, you're at least a bit curious on calling Brock Osweiler's agent up and saying, hey, look, is he interested in coming here, you know, or or whatnot? I, well, my, I I would go with uh, Houston myself, just because if I hit the nail on the head there, they got, uh, well, they have had a revolving door of quarterbacks. Because if you think about the guys they've had since Bill O'Brien's been there, I believe it's first year they had four starting quarterbacks, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Something insane like that. Maybe it was three, but it was. it's just crazy to think that he's had success with, though, with the constant revolving door. But if you get a guy that's consistent, you'd be better off. And I think that would be a good fit for Osweiler because, again, he can stretch the field. Uh, definitely with DeAndre Hopkins, it would give it them consistency at the quarterback position. Osweiler, you know, entering his fifth year, I think he'd want to prove to a lot of people that he can be a, a quality sort of quality starting quarterback in this league. Remember, he was a second round draft pick by John Elway, and John Elway has shown that he knows what he's doing since he's taken over GM duties for the Denver Broncos. So clearly, that they, uh, um, you know. He knows what he's doing. So I think that Houston's a good fit. Cleveland's another team I, I, I could see him going to just based on uh, just based on the fact that Cleveland needs the quarterback badly. I, I think they'd be willing to pay him the money he'd probably want. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland dropped $20 million a year on a file if they could because they're another team that just revolves quarterbacks, quarterbacks coming and going every single – it feels like almost every single week, really. Uh, so – Definitely a storyline to keep an eye on. Uh, so, Actually, uh, before, Ryan, before do you have any, um, any before, NFL news right now? Before we move on real quick, oh, sorry, uh, we, we had a texter, and I wanted to get uh, to it real quick. Uh, from the 424, it says, Osweiler to Los Angeles. Kid wants to be a star, get paid like a star. Uh, fresh start for the Rams, fresh start for Osweiler. He just has to prove he's a star. Uh so I think that's a, a good point. I don't. I think that that's a definite possibility. I still think the Texans are a, a better slot for him. I think it's one of the two teams. I think it's either Houston or the Rams. 
I think uh, the Browns have way too much cap issues. Well, yeah, LA definitely good one because uh, Nick Foles is reportedly being shopped. I mean, uh, Amos shot us a, a message in our Facebook chat group uh, that he was possibly going to be shopped. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> so uh, before we get into some more um, some different sports, uh, Ryan or sports fan, if you have a story from a different sporting NFL news you want to talk about, is there anything going on that you've noticed in the news uh, that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I found an article uh, of something before we get into the NFL news. Uh, you know, I thought that this would be interesting. Real quick, though, I forgot. I wanted to mention the number for anybody who's just tuning in. Uh, if you want to text into the show, 252-621-2065 is the text in number, or you can chat with us um, through this Spreaker app if you download it on your phone. Um, yeah, I actually had a news story uh, from the world of tennis. Uh, which I thought was interesting here. Maria Sharapova announced Monday uh, that she failed a drug test at the Australian Open in January. Um, If you read through the article, there's a great article on ESPN if you want to read about it. Um, But basically what happened is uh, she's been taking this drug, um, melodonium, for about 10 years now to address a number of health issues. Uh, the reason that she was says she was taking it, uh, she had the flu, like every couple of months she'd have the flu, irregular EKGs, and an evidence of diabetes, which does uh, run in her family. The reason that it can be uh, performance enhancing is if you, I guess if you take more than the prescribed amount, it can uh, promote, it promotes blood flow uh, and aids in oxygen uptake and endurance. So it basically giving you more endurance, you'll be able to run longer, um, you know. So that's what she's saying as, as she was taking it. And I guess that there is a history that she's been taking it since 2006 uh, when she started taking it. Um, it uh, when she started taking it, she made sure that it wasn't on the banned substance list. I said, her and her agent both said that they checked back every couple of years. Um and it wasn't, and then they kind of fell off, and then it was made illegal at the start of this year. Um, so, and then she got in trouble for it. But it just seems like if you're taking something like that, you should be looking. We see people all the time. It's like, oh, I didn't mean to, or oh, I didn't notice it, uh, or I didn't know. And it, it just feels like in today, like if I was pro right now, I would make sure before I put anything in my body, I would make 100% sure that I was allowed to do it. Um, also, another thing about the fact about this drug that I found a little bit concerning is it's manufactured in Latvia. It's lo- used in Lithuania and Russia, and all the in some of the satellite countries around Russia. Uh, it's not approved by the FDA, um, so not legal use in the United States. Um, but it, you know, it, it looks you know at the title. I think everybody's going to read the title on some of these things without looking at it. That she just failed a drug test and immediately assume. assume uh, that she's guilty or that, uh, you know, she was doing it on purpose um, to get an edge. But it really seems from, from what I've seen, and, you know, who knows, it could be complete, uh, you know, com- completely uh, for competitive use. But from what it seems, she's been taking it for 10 years. She has the health problems to back it up. I think she was just taking it and, and lost sight and didn't know. I still think she should get in a little bit of trouble because it is a banned substance. And that's something I think you have the responsibility as a pro athlete to keep checking on that to make sure you're not taking a banned substance. But I don't think she should get the four-year ban that comes 
with knowingly taking performance-enhancing drugs and tennis or a two-year ban um, for unknowingly taking them. I think it should be lowered. I don't think she should serve that severe of a penalty, but I still think she should have some penalty um, because she shouldn't have taken the drug. The early reports I'm reading are they are suspecting it's going to be from one to two years for a ban. Yeah, I just think that's a little much. Oh, I. This is one of those one or two years. You think too much, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think it. I mean, she was taking it for ten years. That, that's uh, what agents. Uh, she's taking it for 10 years. She has the health problems to back it up, that, and that makes sense why she was taking it because of these problems. Um, and uh, and it just, I don't know. If she, she has the history of taking it. They have, like, the records of her being sent to her house every month over a 10-year period. I think she should get in a little bit of trouble because she, you should know uh, what's on the banned substance list and what's not uh, um, as a professional athlete. But I don't think a full year even, it seems too much to me. Yeah, well, it's like you said, Ryan, they, they should have checked more if, if this substance was allowed because we hear it so often how athletes take something that they didn't know had a banned substance in it. I mean, you play professional sports, you should know you you should know that the right thing to do is go talk to whoever runs the uh, the organization you play in or or that you compete in. I think a year or two would be a bit much. Uh, maybe maybe you ban her for the rest of maybe just the rest of this year. I don't have an issue with that. And then what you do is you tell her, all right, if you need to get help with your health issues, we're going to let you take the rest of the year off. Go get help. Come back, and then if you feel another drug test. We're going to ban you for life because we're seeing far too often now, and especially in international sports like um, tennis and soccer, there's a lot of uh, what you would call corruption. And there was, you know, we talked about reported match fixing in other sports. And I, I, the reason why I'm incorporating it with this is because if tennis isn't careful and they allow this sort of thing to go on, people might start questioning. Then the way we've all questioned FIFA on the show, people are going to wonder, you know. Are tennis players allowed to take what could be considered performance-enhancing drugs? And tennis has to be careful with that sort of stuff because we're seeing a lot of professional sports leagues. There, there are steroid scandals. You look at Major League Baseball, probably the worst uh, PhD or a PED scandal we've had that I can ever remember. So does tennis want this on their hands? Probably not because tennis is a huge sport, and it's not just played by adults. It's played by people of all ages. It's a fun sport to play. So if they want to keep people coming out to their events and keep uh, people playing tennis and wanting to play in their tournaments, they're going to have to, they're going to have to figure the situation out. But is a year a bit too much? It could be, but I would, I would, I think the best thing to do is to ban or suspend her for the rest of this year. Tell her to go get the help she needs and clean up her act. And if she doesn't, you say that's it. We're, we're going to boot you for life because they, they can't afford to have that kind of thing going on. And I mean, I, I completely agree with you, Peter. I, I think that that's a absolutely fair uh, ruling by Commissioner Peter over here. Uh, you should have 
he should get in a little bit of trouble. I think that you know the rest of the year, um, man, it's it's just like the beginning of the year for tennis, if I'm not mistaken. That still that seems like strong to me, but but I'd be probably be okay with that. Um, and then let her know, you know, this doesn't happen again. You you do not want to be in the spot that baseball put themselves in in the early 2000s with all of that. I mean, now it's uh, they're just starting now to get like over a lot of that. Um, uh, baseball is you know ten years a decade later, just starting to get over uh, the steroid scandals and stuff. And it's still you're still seeing guys. We know we just saw that guy. Uh, that pitcher that got in, is getting the ba- uh, the lifetime ban. You know, it's still so it's still happening. You're still having problems with it in baseball. I, I do like the fact though that the um, that tennis has this strong a penalty for it though. You see in the NFL, it's like was the first time use is like four games, and then it's uh, eight games a full season, whatever it is. It's like slow steps, but they're you knowingly use performance enhancing drugs in tennis, four year ban. I mean, I like how strong that because that's a giant chunk of a career um, to miss. I mean, I like the strong stance that they have on it, though. I don't think it, it fits in this instance just because, you know, she obviously was taking it for health reasons. Although it is her responsibility, as I said earlier, as the pro athlete, to know what you're putting in your body. Yeah, exactly. This whole idea of all you know with the substance is just so stupid. We hear about it all the time. It's like, it's like, it's like now it's kind of like the dog ate my homework sort of thing. It's an old excuse that no one, no one thinks it's funny anymore. So it's just so ridiculous. Uh, Rich, uh, any stories that have caught your eye recently in sporting news? So I was actually flipping back and forth while. Between uh, the the Cadillac Championship at the Blue Monster and the Lakers Warriors game, what caught me by surprise on both um, both events, uh, Roy McIlroy gave away a three shot lead. All he had to do was pretty much play par for the course. Kind of funny how we got a show called Far Par for this course. He had to go out there and shoot seventy two, gave away the three shot lead in like the first eight holes. Uh, Dustin Johnson was sitting a nine under. And end up going like I think he his overall score was minus one at the end of the day, so he didn't have a great game, a great round. Phil kind of choked it up a little bit, but he can He finished strong. Uh, th- that was the biggest surprise for me was Rory giving away that uh, that three shot lead going into the final. Like I said, the final round. Uh, Adam Scott back to back wins in Florida. Got rid of the anchor, the the long putter, playing with the short flats killing it shot like I think it was a minus five on the back nine after he shot a plus three on the front nine so he had a really really great game uh then again as I was flipping back and forth I think we were texting in our chat room that the Warriors lost and they lost big to the lowly LA Lakers no idea what was going on there all I saw my Facebook was blown up with it yo man the Lakers are balling today so the, those were my two stories that I was kind of watching on Sunday. Watched the the Sunday end of the tournament, and then the upset late loss by the Lakers. So I mean, it's just like which one was bigger? I'm gonna have to probably go the Lakers beating the Warriors because Roy seems to be in a, a he's a career choke artist when it, the moments of when the moments when the when the stage is brightest, he tends to give it away. 
I, I think that you well, that, bring... yeah, it's funny you talk about that basketball game. <laughs> Go for it, Peter. Uh, because, I mean, it was, it was funny. The, the basketball game was played yesterday, and I saw this funny photo posted online that said, any given Sunday, anyone can win. And when you think of any given Sunday, you think about what? The Lakers pulled off any given Sunday yesterday and upset the uh, upset the Golden State Warriors. That was a pretty uh, pretty incredible loss, but you know, at the same time, the uh, the ninety fifth cent and then sorry the ninety five ninety six Bulls got crushed by the Knicks and still went on to win the championship game that year. So, or the championship that year. So one loss doesn't really, in my opinion, define anything. Uh, so Ryan, uh, any sorry, <clears throat> do you have anything to add there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Golden State, and, I mean, they just had a terrible night. I think they're, at one point, me and Rich were talking about it um, during the game, uh, and he said that at one point they were 3-for-27 from three-point. Uh, it was a bad shooting night for them, uh, of course, but yeah, I went back and watched it, and L.A. moved well. They moved well. They recovered well. They didn't allow. They guarded on the perimeter well. That does not bode well for the Warriors come playoff time because every team that they play is going to pop this tape in and, and look at the way that they move. What defense are they running? How are they rotating? How are they getting back um, as a way to beat them? Uh, but and I also thought a couple things of this were interesting. Of course, the, the 95-96 Bulls, they lost their 61st game to the Knicks in that big loss, as Peter mentioned. This was Golden State's 61st game to the Lakers. Uh, very a head scratch. Now, this is one you thought for sure they would take, especially at this point in the season, as they get close to having that record. They also said it was the first time that a team uh, above 900 percent winning percentage ever lost to a team that was below 200 uh, or at the 200 mark winning percentage, um, which I thought was is kind of funny here. But now you're the Warriors. You know, not that much time left for them. They cannot lose um, four. If they lose four games from here on out, they tie the record. If they lose three, um, they, then of course that they'll they'll beat the the record that they set there. At, you know, now we're getting to that crunch time now with three games is is doable from what we've seen this team do. Um, but will is it gonna happen now? Because it's getting kind of that point where it's tight now. You're not really sure. Uh, especially after this loss, I think makes you um, a little weary of this. This is a really great team. They're playing really great basketball. They had one really bad night. Uh, I think that they'll bounce back and get back to the winning ways, no problem. But now it makes you wonder, are they going to be able to, to catch the record now with uh, the time that they have left? Of course, as I mentioned, that was the, the 61st game, so they still have... Um, you know, 21 games to go in the season. They can only, if they want to beat the record, they can only lose three of those. And that's still a pretty tall order for any team to go on that kind of stretch. So we'll see if they're able to do it or not. Um, you know, just a bad night. Just a bad shooting night. Uh, LA came out and played well, uh, and they were able to get the win. Um, but I don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Golden State. I think that they're going to, you know, cruise just fine. Um, from here on out, but will they break the records? The big question on everybody's mind, I know. Yeah, I do wonder if they're going to break the record. But one, this whole month isn't related. Yeah, well, so the one thing I that I took away from that game was 
it's a, the only thing it's going to do is motivate Golden State now probably more than before because number one, it, you can lose any team. And like you know, Ryan and I just talked about the 95-96 Bulls had that crushing loss to the Knicks, but still ended up having that fantastic record and winning the championship that year. So I'm not too worried about what I saw. If anything had happened, we, we've seen teams get upset before getting down in other sports by teams shouldn't have been beaten down by or got blindsided by a team that kind of caught them off guard and, and going win going win their respective championship. You know, you look at New England, they lost two heartbreakers at the beginning. Well, they got they they lost to Miami to open up the season and they won the Super Bowl, and then they got absolutely annihilated by the Chiefs later, uh, not too far after that game, and. They were people wondering if Brady was done. Well, you know, you know, is he done? Are the Patriots done? And they ended up winning. You know, look at the 2004 Red Sox down three games to nothing. No one ever really gave him a chance to come back and win. So the point to make is, one game or even just a few games doesn't define a team. Uh, it's it's not how you fall down; it's how you get up. And, I, and again, Golden State has plenty of games left to go out and win and set the record. I'm not too concerned about them. Uh, so, you know, they, those are great stories you brought up there, Rich. Uh, the one I, the one story I wanted to bring up um, was actually Randall's arrest. Uh, we've already talked about that. And there are – so another story I want to bring up is um, actually Miami Dolphins trading for Byron Maxwell and Tico Alonso. I haven't seen the, tr- the, the draft pick that Miami surrendered for them or traded for them. But my question to you, and uh, Rich, I'll let you take this one first since you're a Patriots fan. You understand, you know, I want to hear your perspective on the AFC East, how this might shake things up first. Do you think Miami did the right thing by bringing Brian Maxwell and Tico Alonso via the trade? And at the same time, does it benefit the Philadelphia Eagles by them getting rid of those two players? It's interesting because with Adam Gase now the head coach, you wonder how much he had a say so in this. There are two really – I know Byron Maxwell's contract is absolutely ridiculous. I wasn't sure exactly what was left on Kiko Alonso's. But, I mean, Sue restructured. They ended up paying – they've gotten bad contracts after bad contracts after bad contracts. So you want, you want it makes you wonder how much pull Adam Gase has down there because it doesn't seem like a move that Adam Gase wanted to make. But I, I think this is more or less the GM trying to build something that just honestly isn't there. You need to kind of let Gase just take control of this one and build from within the draft and let him work his magic instead of trying to help him along by these horrible contracts. I mean, I know they let go of Brent Grimes, but how much of an upgrade is Byron Maxwell over Brent Grimes after the season he had in Philly anyway? And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of Eagles. And before, I'm going to move over to the Eagles' perspective of this. They have completely started to gut this franchise that Chip Kelly, quote-unquote, put this dream team together. we already seen Kiko Alonso and uh, Byron Maxwell, as you just mentioned, ship to Miami. But, Ryan, I know you are was you were excited as hell when you found out that DeMarco Murray was shipped to Tennessee, like I think it was about a little over an hour ago. Absolutely. Uh, I am excited. I think that uh, I'll start off with this. I think DeMarco Murray's an outstanding player. Uh, I think he he's obviously a great downhill runner. Um, I think he has better hands than most people think he does. Um, uh, you know, just a good, really good running back. I think that he was uh, a not, he wasn't a good fit at all for that Eagles 
system, and that's why he had the down year. Uh, it's because he he needs to line up and and, and run north and south, um, get behind a fullback with a quarterback under under center, and, and that's exactly the way uh, the Tennessee Titans like to operate. We're one of the few teams that still uh, you know bring in fullbacks, so we'll have a guy in front of him that can knock heads, um, open up the the downhill running game for him. And, you know, we needed this. The Tennessee Titans desperately needed help in the running game. We were looking to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, would they go to the second round and try to get uh, a good running back, you know, a Derrick Henry. Because um, Ezekiel Elliott, some people said, I don't think he'll fall out of the first round. But, you know, Derrick Henry, uh, Howard from Indiana, there's a lot of names that the kid from uh, Louisiana Tech, his name um, escapes me right now. But a lot of good running backs in this draft. But I mean, they just—they answered that question right now. Uh, they went out and they got a guy that they believe in. That—that uh, that we've seen him before in a downhill running game. And the last time we saw him run north and south in a downhill running game, uh, he was the best running back in the league. So uh, definitely, absolutely excited about this. It gives us a huge, um, huge boost in our running support. As for the uh, the Eagles, I wanted to talk about this real quick because I thought this was interesting. Um, well, first I'll, start, I'll do with the Dolphins real quick because I want to ask you the question on the Eagles. The Dolphins, I don't, not huge on these trades that they made today. Um, Kiko Alonso, I think there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I do like Kiko Alonso still, and I think that uh, he'll provide a lot for that team. Maxwell, on the other hand, and, they're, and they're now they're talking about getting rid of Brent Grimes and they're bringing in Maxwell, and it just feels like they're paying more and getting less by getting rid of Grimes and bringing in Maxwell. Um, unless we see something more out of Brian Maxwell than we saw uh, in Philly. I just I wasn't a huge fan of that one. Um, but we'll see how it works out for them. As far as Philly, uh, we're seeing a fire cell. Philly's trying to get around, get away of, of rid of, of everybody. But I wanted to – I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. All three of these guys were guys that Chip Kelly brought into Philadelphia. So it was right now that they were getting Chip yep. Kelly's guys out. Uh, definitely making a statement, I think, uh, with that. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. I mean, I we, we saw, I think he traded for Kiko Alonso. He got DeMarco Murray in out, out of Dallas, uh, brought in Byron Maxwell, all three of them gone. Uh, Riley Cooper was released uh, as well. So, I mean, it's like I said, I like what the Eagles are doing. I know there's a couple of Eagles fans that hate it, but I'm saying – Give it time. You know, Chip Kelly destroyed it. It's going to take a while to rebuild it. Built in the day, people. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely is a statement move because, <clears throat> Ryan, you made, you made the point. Uh, DeMarco Murray was not a good fit for that system, and I thought he would be good running uh, for the Eagles, but I, I think we were all kind of, maybe not blindsided, but I think we were all kind of like led on to believe that he would do more than he did as an Eagle and I don't blame him for wanting to be traded, uh, maybe because he sees writing on the wall. But at the same time, DeMarco Murray did do it to himself. He went to a team that maybe he shouldn't, he shouldn't have went to. And then you look at the Kiko Alonso trade. When I saw LeSean McCoy was traded to the Bills, I thought the Bills gave up a lot for him because I didn't initially see what they had given up. And when I saw what Chip Kelly got in return, I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? You don't trade away one of the best running backs in the NFL for no reason. And I think the reason why Chip Kelly traded him was because LaShawn McCoy pushed back about what Chip Kelly was probably trying to do in that locker room. And then Byron Maxwell, 
another high priest region, he got way overpaid, and I, I think he was a what I like to call a product of the system in um, in Seattle. You know, part of that Legion of Boom. When he first went to Philly, I'm like, you know, that's a, that's a great pickup for them. But I think he'll be better in um, in Miami, where he'll be around other good defensive players. Uh, and I so I think Miami's made some good moves with the trades. Uh, I, I like some of what I've seen. And Miami is clearly trying to bolster up that defense because they've got some good offensive pieces. They just need to get Lamar Miller to come back, and then they can figure it out from there. So uh, <clears throat> definitely some great trading pieces there. So uh, before we go tonight, guys, uh, is there anything else, uh, any other sports news you want to touch upon? Ryan, you got anything else before we go? Yeah, I wanted to stay with the Eagles real quick. Uh because I've also heard uh, Ian Rappaport has reported that the Eagles are also putting Ryan Matthews on the trading block, looking to get rid of Matthews as well. Yeah, that was the next one I was going to bring up. Yeah, it just seems interesting. Yeah, that was that, the next one I was going to bring up as well. Yeah, it just seems interesting that they're going to get rid of two running backs that quick. Uh, Philadelphia, it just seems with the moves that they're making, that they're – they recognize that they're heading into a rebuilding year, and they're okay with that. It just seems that you know they're getting rid of everybody. They're looking to start over, looking to get young guys in here and start to build something new. Um, I know that it, it sucks to hear if you're a Philadelphia fan out there, but but I think this is for the best. Uh, cut your losses right now. Start fresh. And then instead of rebuilding in three years, you'll rebuild this year, and then in three years you'll be a competitor in your division again. Uh so I think this is the right move for them to make. Here's the biggest question. I wonder how bad Sam Bradford's hating life right now. You get rid of Marco Murray. You get rid of Byron Maxwell. <laughs> you get rid of Kiko Alonso. You get rid of Riley Cooper. You're stuck with uh, you're stuck with Darren Sproles and no wide receivers, and you just signed that two-year, $24 million contract extension. I mean, it, 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 Brian, you know, it's got to be like, why did I sign this deal knowing they were going to do this? I wonder if he knew they were going to blow this thing up. Uh, you got you to wonder. You got to well, wonder. Is, he just watched, his, like, half his team just walked out of the door today. <laughs> He's like, what the hell? It is, it is interesting. Now, I'm curious to see where DeMarco Murray will be because I'm sure the Eagles are going to try their hardest to trade DeMarco Murray. I think they're better off trading him than cutting him, but... Even though he's technically not gone from the team, I think the general consensus is that he won't be back next year as the Eagles running back because clearly he's not happy there. But I'm shocked that they're getting Ryan, getting Ryan, sorry, getting rid of Ryan Matthews because he was the most productive running back in Philadelphia in 2015. But I think I think part of it is because they want to get rid of that coach that Chip Kelly had. You get rid of Riley Cooper, who was no business being a starting receiver on any team. You get rid of DeMarco Murray, who clearly wants nothing to do with Philly. And you get rid of Ryan Matthews, which I'm still confused about because he was the best running back they had last year. Now, I know he's often injured. He was always injured in San Diego. But you would at least think you should bring one of those guys back because now, like you guys just said, Jim Bradford might be second-guessing the decision he just made to sign that deal. But I'm sure that they have something in place because they, they could get a third-round pick, honestly, for DeMarco Murray. I don't think any team would give above a third-round pick because of what happened last year. But they could probably get a third-round pick for him and a lower-round pick for Ryan Matthews and try to trade up in the draft and get somebody. Now, I do think, and this is my personal opinion, the Eagles will probably go offensive heavily on the offensive side of the football in this year's draft and in free agency because 
if Sam Bradford is known to known to throw the football too, he'll do the same exact thing he did in, in St. Louis. Struggle, and he might end up getting hurt if, if no one's getting you open. And he's standing back there taking shots all game long. If I'm Sam Bradford, I'm actually wondering why I resigned the contract with this team. But at the same time, like I had said, I think it's part of a culture that Chip Kelly brought in. A lot of those guys that they're getting rid of are the guys that Chip Kelly brought brought in, and they're probably saying, you know what, we're going to wash our hands clean of this Chip Kelly mistake and just start from new. And I and I believe in Doug Peterson actually. I, I've sort of been on the fence with him, but I believe in him as a head coach because look who look who sorry look what he did with Alex Smith last year and his first year in Kansas City. He's done a lot of great things, and he helped that turn that offense around last year in Kansas City after Jamal Charles was lost for the year. So. We, anything is possible right now with Peterson at the helm. I'm just curious to see how this is all going to turn out. We actually got a message in here from a texter from the 213 area code. He's got three points here. Uh, he says that Maxwell does get the benefit from being a Seahawk. I would agree there. Alonzo has a bad in, or bad luck with injury. I'd completely agree there. I think Hugo Alonzo is an outstanding player, but he has had uh, so a pretty bad luck when it comes to staying healthy. Uh, and he's got my back here, the texter. Uh, Louisiana Tech running back is Kenneth Dixon. He's absolutely correct. That's the guy I was, I was talking about. Uh, so thanks for having my back there, texter. <laughs> uh, let, let me add something on the, the Dolphins getting Byron Maxwell. They have a much better safety combination than what Philly did, and that's what Philly lacked. Remember last offseason they were out there trying to get a pride Devin McCourty away from the uh, Patriots they don't have the safe they don't have the back end that Philly did and I think they've got a better uh safety duo in Miami so it may actually work out Miami may have gotten one right here on this one but still I I just want to know how much of that contract they're going to have to eat up from Byron Maxwell yeah that's the thing is for me is I, I just at first when I first heard it my first thought was you're gonna have Maxwell paired with Grimes, and they do have a good safety, uh, good good safeties in uh, Miami. So you're gonna have Maxwell and Grimes. My first thought was, wow, that secondary is gonna be good, because I think that I don't think that Maxwell is like a bomb. I don't think he's a terrible player or anything like that. I think he's solid. <laughs> I think he is solid, but I don't. He's not worth the price. You know, it's just he's not a good value. I think he is a good player. I think he does have the. Um, the ability to play and start almost anywhere as a number two, uh, you know, he'd be a number one on some teams. I just he's not worth the price that they're going to have to pay to have him. And, and I talked about um, anybody that doesn't know, I write for the Dolphin sideline report. You know, we had Chris on the other week. I was talking with those guys, all uh, mostly diehard Dolphins fans, and then they kept saying the same point that I said earlier on the show was, it just feels like. You know, because now the Dolphins have came out and said that they are cutting Grimes. That that's the plan is they plan on cutting Brent Grimes, and that should happen this week. Uh, and release. He's already him. been cut. Now has he? All right. So then he's been cut. So you have. Yeah, he was released today. So all of them said this, and I agree with them. Is you're paying more for Maxwell, and and you're getting less. I think Grimes is a better corner than Maxwell is. So I, I mean, the age is definitely a factor in this because Maxwell. Um, of course, is is going to be 34 before the start of next season. Uh, where Max, or I mean, uh, Grimes is going to be 34 before the start of the next season. Maxwell 28 right now. So I think that 
that's definitely a, a, a big issue here. But I still think he's more talented, and you're in the, just the eating up this contract. I, I thought that that's what made it a bad move. Bad move. I don't want anybody to think I think Maxwell's a garbage player. Absolutely not. But he's not worth the, the price of admission. I think the reason no, they cut Grimes not. was I, Grimes I apologize, didn't want to be in Miami Ryan. anyway. Yeah, well, Grimes, well, Grimes is also older, but uh, I just want to apologize, Ryan. I, I, I heard conflicting reports before I got on the show tonight about <clears throat> Demarco Murray, but according to the NFL uh, website, it, it, Adam Schefter reported that Tennessee will be requiring uh, Demarco Murray, but I, from my understanding, he's not official until Wednesday. So my apologies, he is no longer an Eagle, barring any sitback from this trade that's being reported. So uh, before we get off the air. Um, just a quick, like maybe like uh, two sentences. Uh, sorry, uh, just, uh, <clears throat> um, Ryan, do you have any quick thoughts on the Demarco Murray trade to Tennessee? Are you excited? What do, What do you think it's going to do for the Titans and for Marcus Mariota, who will be in uh, his second year in the NFL next year? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, and I talked about it a little bit earlier um, in the show. I mean, I love this. I, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think that it, it's really good for Mariota. Um, I think that Murray fits in the Titans uh, system better. Tennessee loves to run the ball downhill. Uh, that's what DeMarco Murray does best. I think that the Eagles' system failed DeMarco Murray uh, more than DeMarco Murray failed himself for sure. He'll get back to what he's good at, running the ball downhill uh, behind a fullback. Um, and that running game uh, is absolutely priceless uh, when you have a young quarterback like that up and coming. I think this is a big boost uh, to our team. And even though Tennessee will be um, finishing off that you know seven and a half million uh, contract or seven and a half million a year, uh, I still think it's I think it's worth it right now because I think Murray's going to come back and, and have an absolutely great season. The first thing I thought was, now let's go get Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> go get Tunsil number one. Uh, start him at left tackle, push Lawan to right tackle, and let's lo- let's let Demarco Murray do his thing, and let's let um, you know Mariota is now going to have so much uh, more protection and and more ability to do stuff with the ball. It's exciting. It's exciting to say the least. Oh, Demarco Murray! Or Rich, any final thoughts on that game changer? Hey, oh, it's a huge yeah, game changer. Right. You're looking at one of our yeah. You're looking at one of the argue. This guy was coming off a a, a career year in Dallas. And the joke, the inside joke was always he did not really go to. I, I think Chip Kelly just paid him the money to get him away from Dallas. Uh, he didn't use the Marco Murray the way he should have been ran. That was a spread offense. The Marco, when it, we saw what happened when the interim coach took over, led to Marco Murray right run, you know, boot read options or whatever right between the tackles. Murray was getting yardage. That's what Tennessee's got to do. I agree with uh, Ryan. Go out there and get the best left tackle in the NFL. Run that ball! Run that ball! They, they go out there and get go out there and run that football. Even go out there and get you another wide receiver. They're, they're going to be in business this year. Tennessee is going to be looking a lot better. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, that's all we have for tonight. And uh, Ryan and Amos will be back on tomorrow night for the uh, beers and cheers show. So definitely tune in for that. We have some more setting step coming. Sorry, coming up for you this week, uh, and. Rich and I are are now doing podcast uploads of the uh, what used to be called the Friday Free for All. We're now doing the uh, Weekend with Water Cooler, where we do cover um, TV shows and movies coming up for the weekend, and also 
talking sporting events coming up for for the upcoming weekend. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We post those on Fridays. Uh, they'll be uploaded to the speaker page on Friday, so you can listen to it. It's it's pre-recorded. Uh, so if you ever have anything to say, just feel free to you know shoot us the text and the number, and we'll get it to we'll get to it the following show. And uh, so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Um, I've been uh, doing some stuff. I've been dealing with um, some family health issues. Nothing major, just uh, a family member um, had knee surgery, so we've been, my girlfriend and I are helping take care of him. Um, but I have more time to be in the air now. And uh, I, I've heard from some people sending me well wishes, so I want to, first of all, thank them. And then also thank you guys on the show for, uh, for, your, well, for your well wishes and your understanding. Uh, definitely happy to be back tonight and looking forward to the Beers and Shears show tomorrow night. I'm going to tune in. And uh, you guys have anything to add before we get off the air here? Yeah, Wednesday night, I think the par for discourse just for this week alone will be moved to third. We're going to flip it around. I think Wednesday with free agency opening up at 3 o'clock, we're going to do the free agent frenzy show Wednesday night, and then Thursday will be par for discourse. At least I think that's the correct plan, right, Ryan? Absolutely. That's what we're going to do is uh, Wednesday, because it, it's going to open up uh, free agency, we're already seeing some moves. I'm sure there will be more. Uh, we're going to cover that on, on Wednesday, uh, just a complete free agency uh, frenzy show. Uh, then move part of four discourse just for this week. We'll move it to Thursday. Um, tomorrow night, of course, Spears and Cheers show. We have uh, the final uh, 10 picks, or final 11 picks, excuse me, of our of our mock draft uh, 1.0 for you guys. Um, and, and then, of course, the Friday show, you guys do the podcast. Uh, but that's it. That's the, what the, this week's going to look like. Uh, next week, of course, the beers and cheers will start moving into um, March Madness, and uh, we're still building the uh, our March Madness bracket challenge. Everybody, there's definitely going to be prizes. There's going to be some cool stuff that we're going to be giving away. Uh, nothing as cool, you know, we're not going to do billion-dollar challenge. I wish we could, but uh, they don't pay us enough to do the show, <laughs> to do the billion-dollar challenge. But we're going to give away some cool stuff. Uh, so definitely, if you're a listener, uh, stay tuned for more information on that. That'll be coming after Selection Sunday. Um, we'll have all of that set up. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks uh, for our texters. Uh, I'm glad that you know Peter's back in action and back with us. Um, hopefully tomorrow night Amos is ready to go uh, back from from his leave here uh, so we can get the Beers and Cheers show running. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. Uh, and good night from all of us. And get your Walking Dead questions texted in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern 